Turn with me to the 11th chapter of the book of John. And if you have an ink pen, I want you to take some notes this morning. Write the scriptures down that I'm going to give you. We are living in perilous times. We've got an election coming up. And people say, how are you going to be on the election? Well, I'm going to give you how I feel about it. People say, you don't have no right to do that behind the pulpit. I, got, I had a guy get angry with me. And somebody said, you need to apologize to him. And I said, I'll never apologize for the word of God. Just won't do it. We are living in perilous times, Paul told Timothy. So I said, so the Lord give me this message. And it is out of John, part of it, but we're going to be in many, many scriptures this morning, hopefully. But Kathleen, give me this last week. And I'm going to read it to you again because I think that you need to hear it. Because as a nation, we're in trouble. Now, I'm reading a book right now called The Dark Agenda or The Destroying of the United States of America. It's a really interesting book. I don't suggest that you all read it. Some of you might want to read it, but I don't think all of you need to, especially if your faith is not established like you'd like for it to be in the Lord. But this was posted on, on the, the second month, which is second month, February? It's February the 1st, 2020. And it's by the anarchists worldwide, okay? And they want to bring an, uh, a revolutionary ab abolitionist movement against the United States. And so they have 10 points of action or 10 points of reference. Liberation will be won by any means necessary. I have no idea right now why anybody would want to be a policeman. At all. Do you understand that if the policemen lay down their weapons and walk away, what we're going to be in 24 hours? And it's already taken place. Let me make, let me make this clear. When those policemen put their knee on that black man's throat, that was not right. I want everyone to understand that. That was wrong. But what was happening was these people here were waiting for something like that to happen so that they could make a move. Okay. We will destroy the state police, the military, corporations, and all those who run the American plantations. We will live with the dignity in a world without prisons. Really? Really? Interesting. Systems of punishment will be abolished. There will be no law to enforce, no money to, prote to protest. Really? Systems of ju justice will be determined by those who are oppressed. There will be no government. No persons or group will have power over another. So do away with Romans 13.1. Communities will make decisions about how they live and will make sure that everyone here 
that everyone has what they need to, to live a dignified life. Now, if, if it's my community and I'm running it, you're all in trouble. You can chuckle. Or maybe not. Land is not property because it's alive and commanded and we must protect it. The other day when we was at our Tuesday night Bible study, Butch Owens had a, uh, a glass of water and it had ice in it. And he said, man, he said, I need to hurry up and drink this because if the ice melts, my glass is going to overflow. People, come on. You understand? That's global warming, right? He said, I need to drink this because if the ice melts, it'll overflow. Okay, forget you. It's not going to overflow. Okay, alongside international comrades, we will destroy all borders for the free movement of people everywhere. But here it is. Militant networks will defend our uh, uh, revolutionary causes and liberation begins when America dies. That's it. There are 10 plans of action. And we're looking at that. And we're looking at it right now. Okay, so in John chapter 11 and verse 25, here's what Jesus says. Mary and Martha have lost their brother. He's been dead four days and everybody's upset with Jesus because Jesus didn't come to heal him when he was sick. And the disciples said, are you going to go? And he said, no, I'm not going to go. And then after the fourth day, he said, come on. He said, we got to go and raise Lazarus up. He's asleep. And they said, what do you mean he's asleep? Jesus said, I mean, he's dead. And they thought, whoa, okay. So they go, they go to Bethany. And when Jesus gets there, Martha is not really happy with Jesus. If you had have been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus said, Martha, I am the resurrection. Then she says, oh, I know he'll live. He'll, he'll be raised in the resurrection, super spiritual, like some of us are with no common sense. You didn't get that. Okay. So she's past and she's future, but she's not in the presence. And how many of you know God is a present day God? Not a God of the past, not a God of the future. That stuff's already taken care of. God is a today God. And so Jesus makes these comments to Martha. And here's what he says to Martha. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who believes and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Turn with me to Mark. We're just going to meddle just a little bit today. And everybody said, okay, I didn't get much out of that. Let's go over to Mark chapter 16. And we're going to start with the 15th verse and I'm going to read it. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. Now, this is Jesus speaking. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. 
He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And these signs will accompany, everybody say accompany. Now some of you have follow, right? How many of you have follow? Wave your hand. Okay, that's not a good word there. Accompany is a better word, and I'll show you why in just a minute. We'll accompany them. And these signs will accompany those who have believed in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it shall not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. How many of you see that? Now, he's not just talking to the disciples there like we, we've always been taught. He's talking to believers. Everybody say believers. That's who you are. Now, why is the word accompany different than the word follow? Because the word follow means that these signs and wonders are following behind me. But the word accompany means that everywhere I go, I have this group of angels that follow me. And are willing to do what God commands them to do. Now, I don't get into angel worship. The worst thing you can do is get into angel worship. And we're into angel worship right now. Asceticism is don't touch, don't taste, don't handle, and angel worship. Do not get into that. Even in Revelation, when John fell down at the foot, the feet of the angel, he said, Get up! Don't worship me. He said, I'm like you are. People say he was a man. No, he was a created being. He said, don't worship me. Some people now have names for their angels. I'm telling you, that's wrong teaching. And you're going to get in trouble for it if you do it. But these signs and these wonders, they accompany us or they're with us all the time if we're believers filled with the Spirit of God. Now, if I say, wave your hand if you're a believer, most everybody in this church is going to wave their hand. And if that be the case, then these signs and wonders are with you continually. So, Holy Spirit says to me, here's what he says to me. He said, Don, he said, Pastor Don always gets to church early. And he said, I want you to ask him, what is missing in this church? And I said, I'll do that. And lo and behold, I get here, and Don and Kathleen are the only ones here beside myself. And I get here pretty early, about a quarter or nine, and they're already having Bible study, actually, in the car. And we go in there, and I said, listen, I said, I want you to be candid with me. Did I not say that? And I said, in this church, I know he loves this church. If he didn't love this church, he wouldn't come. Okay, and so I said, what is lacking in this church that you see? And he kind of looked at me because he didn't want to hurt my feelings. And I told him, I said, go ahead and tell me. Because the Holy Spirit has already told me to ask you. And he said, the supernatural. The supernatural. And that's amazing because the sermon that I had picked out and the Lord had given to me, it started Monday down through the week, is about the supernatural. About signs and wonders 
that follow us. Can you follow me down the aisle? Okay. So, I look down this aisle, and as I'm walking down this aisle, guess who is with me? Signs and wonders. And why? Because I'm a believer. Did you get a hold of that? And if you'll take notice in, chap- in, in Mark chapter 16, he didn't say, hey, disciples, this is for this day, but in the day to come, they don't get to do this no more. How many of you see that? But he's a here and now God, and so Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if that be the case, then signs and wonders are, are accompanying me, which means I can come over here and I can lay hands on this man and claim him to be healed. Amen. Oh, man, pastor. See, my, my wife and I were young, and we had probably only been married maybe a year or two. And we went to a little church in Dearborn, Missouri, and my dad was preaching there, and this rather large lady uh, sat on the altar because she wanted to, to uh, uh, have my dad pray for her, and as I remember, she couldn't stand long, and she had open cancers on both cheeks. Cancers, they were oozing, they were really ugly, and they didn't have nothing on them, they were open. And my dad laid hands on that woman and said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And those cancers fell to the floor. Now, you don't have to believe that. But Nancy and I was there and we witnessed that. And as soon as I saw that, I said, that's what I want. That's what I want in my life. And God said, then you got it. See, these these signs and wonders only accompany those who are believers, okay? So if that be the case, then we all get to operate in them. I told you the other day about having that car wreck, and to this day, I believe that an angel took over the steering wheel of that car and drove that thing for me. Because I'm old, and I don't have that good of reactions. Now, I know Al Bros back there has got reactions like a teenager. Okay? Jeff Heath, they got react, but I'm old. Just had heart surgery, but yet that that car was driven right up through that field, so nobody was injured. Isn't that amazing? The other day, I'm outside reading a book, and I'm outside reading a book, and there's a fly, one fly, bothering me. What are you laughing about? I haven't even told it yet. She said, I know it's going to be good. One fly bothering me. Be on my arm, on this arm, go that way, get on this arm. Then I feel him on my head. I make him get off my head. A fly. And it was just annoying. And it was just jumping around there. And I'm sitting there, and I got my book. I'm ready now to hit this thing when it, when it lands. And when it landed, the Lord said, why don't you just tell it to go? Oh, you guys are having a hard time already. You are already going to burn me at the stake as a heretic. You are. A, and I said, okay. I said, get out of here. You got to leave. And that thing flew off and never come back. And you say, did you say it in Jesus' name? I didn't. I just told. I just did what the Lord told me to do. And I said, get out of here. Quit bothering me. And that thing flew away and never bothered me again. You Nazarenes are having problems with this and you know it. 
you Baptists, what's what the Methodist back there? Somebody, you're a Methodist, right? He's, yep, them Methodists are having problems with this. Yeah, and you Pentecostals aren't standing up and say, preach, brother, preach. There's something wrong with all of you. Okay. But see, these, these signs, these wonders, they, they accompany us. Now, why? It's not so we can be braggadocious and brag how much power we got. But it's every time that there is a miracle that takes place, it draws people into the kingdom to witness it. Do you not believe if there's a man that's been blind since birth and he comes into this church and someone lays hands on him and says, be healed in the name of Jesus and he receives his sight. Do you not believe that this church will be full next Sunday? If you know you bring a carcass in here that's been dead for four days like Jesus did. And that carcass stands up. You don't think that there's not going to be a revival that's taking place? Now, revival miracles are not to see people saved. Miracles are to draw people into so that they can be saved. How many of you understand that? But what we've done in the past, which is wrong, we start preaching about the miracles and not Jesus Christ, and that's wrong. How many of you understand that? But allow the supernatural to take place because it draws people into the kingdom that they might find salvation. Now, give me a witness on that. So in, 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 uh, in John, he, uh, uh, God's going to say something to Martha here, and he's going to say, I'm the resurrection and the life. Now, Martha, you have me here. I'm right here. And because I'm right here, everything is at your disposal. Can you say amen to that? So what we're saying is, is that I think it's amazing that if, if uh, uh, Jesus had raised him on the third day, the Jewish people wouldn't have a problem with that because they knew a man could be raised on the third day because they understand there's a Messiah going to die, and when he dies, he's going to be raised on the third day. They just didn't believe he was Jesus. But they believed that on the fourth day, the body had decomposed so bad that a man couldn't be raised on the fourth day. And so Jesus goes in on the fourth day, and on the fourth day, he raises Lazarus from the dead can I go on and so what he does if you'll read there when he calls Lazarus forth there is an exclamation mark which means he didn't just say Lazarus come forth he shouted Lazarus come forth and you've heard the teaching which is true if he had said come forth everybody would have been raised from the grave but he said Lazarus come forth and the Bible says that Lazarus came out of that grave and he was still wrapped in the grave clothing. Now, instead of Jesus going over there and unwrapping Lazarus from the grave clothes that had him bound, he said to the people, he said, unbind him and let him free. Do you understand that God has given the church power to unbind and loosen in the name of Jesus. Listen, you never got a man saved. You can't get a man saved, but God will every single time. How many of you understand that? 
A man can't come to the Father save only through the Son. And his name is Jesus. But it's amazing that he said, unbind him. And the people had to unbind him. How do we unbind people today? Through the word of God. We unbind people through the word of God. Can you say amen to that? So we look at this right here. It was up to the church to unbind Lazarus. Now in 2 Corinthians 5.17, listen to what it says. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Passed away means die. The old things have passed away. And behold, this man has become a new creation. Interesting. When you give your heart to Jesus, you died and a new man took his place. Amen. And through the ministry, the preaching of the word, and through teaching, it should be unwrapping or unbinding those who have died. But we're afraid in our churches to preach truth. Let me tell you something, people. You might not want to come back next week because Jesus Christ is the healer. Jesus is a savior, but he's more than a savior. He's a healer and he's the deliverer. No man has ever healed another man, only Jesus. If we lay hands on you and you are healed, it's not anything that we've done. It's everything that Jesus Christ has done through the Father. Say amen to that. But what has happened is many of us have taken upon ourselves to think, look what we've done. And God's done it all. You see, Jesus could have unwrapped Lazarus, but he didn't for a reason. Because he wanted those people to take part in that ministry of seeing this man resurrected. And so when they went in and they unwrapped him, what they did was say to Jesus, we believe that you're the son of God. And what they did was that they took place in the ministry that Jesus was preaching. And that's what he's saying to us now. And why doesn't the supernatural operate in our churches? Because listen, we are afraid to unbind Lazarus. But everyone who give their heart to Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, when you got saved and when I got saved, I died. The Holy Spirit come and he said, listen, he said, you're a criminal. And you're guilty of the blood of Jesus on your hands. That's what the Holy Spirit said. And then conviction said in our heart and we said, what, what must we do to be saved? And the Holy Spirit says, you need to die, and you need to die right now. And all of a sudden, then, the Holy Spirit kills you. And when he kills you, he sets within you the spirit of the living God. How many of you understand that? You still stay in this flesh body, but this flesh body is not eternal, and it's not going to last forever. How many of you know that? But your spirit man inside of you is going to be forever. Don't you listen to that lie that if you're not saved, you die, you go to hell, and you're burned up. That's not true. Every man will live forever somewhere. Amen. Can you give me an amen on that? So he says to the church, he, said, he says to the people, he says, I want you to unbind him. Jesus, uh, Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creation because the old things have passed away. Here's, here's what I'm saying to you. If old things 
are still bothering you, are you sure that you have been unwrapped and you still have grave clothes around you, if that makes sense to you? You see, the Lord give us something, and here's what he give us. Everyone who believes, the Lord said, I'm going to give you a gift, and here's the gift. He said, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you something. When the Lord took a hold of my car and drove me through that field and nobody was hurt, you say, wow. But yet, let me tell you something. It was just so powerful to me when he made that fly leave me alone. We say, you know, you know, okay, I got a headache. God can heal the headache, but I'm not for sure God can heal the cancer. Do you understand there's nothing easy or nothing hard with God? God speaks and says, it's good. Now, we have a problem that the Israelites had. Are you still with me? Can you say amen to this? Can I go on? All right, listen. We have a problem that the Israelites had. And here's what the problem was. The Israelites had heard the gospel preached to them. Now, listen. Abraham believed in Jesus. And, 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 and Abraham was witnessed to by God about Jesus. And everything was prophetic with Jesus. I mean, with Abraham. When, when Isaac is being led up the mountain with Abraham, now watch this. Abraham takes his 13-year-old son, Isaac, and he's going to sacrifice him. And so he goes up to, to Moriah, which is a few uh, mountains away, and he says to two, two men that he took with him, he said, now, he said, I want you to stay and tend these animals. And the reason why I want you to stay and tend these animals, because me and the lad here, we're going to go to that mountain that you see over there and we're going to sacrifice and then we're going to come back. Now listen to what he says. And we're going to come back. And so, wait a minute. Didn't God say, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice Isaac? Yes, he did. And so Isaac is walking with him and he's saying, Dad, we have the fire because they carried the fire. He said, we have the wood. He said, but where is the sacrifice? Now listen to what Abraham says. Abraham says to Isaac, his son, God will provide for himself a lamb. And he was talking about Jesus. Now why wasn't Abraham, why, why didn't uh, unbelief get all over him? Because he only has the one son and now God is telling him to sacrifice that one son. Why? It's simple if you really look at it because God said to Abraham that the descendants of Isaac is going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky, which is spiritual, and the sand of the sea, which is natural. He said, listen, Isaac's going to have control over all of this stuff. How many of you understand that if God says to, to Abraham, you must sacrifice your son, Abraham said, I'll do it because you have to raise him then from the dead. And that's what the writer of Hebrews says. That God would have had to raise him from the dead. So why doesn't God do that? Because God's got a son, his son, 
named Jesus that he's going to raise from the dead. And why is he going to raise him from the dead? He's going to be the sacrifice for all of us. And he's going to die on Calvary's tree. And when he dies on the cross, all the benefits then of that cross comes to you and I through the gospel. Somebody say amen to that. Listen to what he says now to the Israelites. He said, the reason why you couldn't come into my rest, he says, because you didn't take the gospel and mix it with faith, or you didn't take the gospel and unite it with faith. How many of you understand? He said, you can't enter my rest because of that. And people say, well, you know, the Israelites didn't get to enter in to the Canaan land. That, it wasn't nothing about Canaan land. It was all about the rest of God. What is the rest of God? God created the world in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. And he did not rest because he was tired. He rested because he's sitting back and he's saying, look what we created for man. Look what we created for man. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Look what we created for man. He's saying to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, look what we created for man. And he's resting in it. And he's finding peace in it. And here's what the Lord says. The Lord says, when you come into me, you mix the gospel, unite it with faith. He said, and you'll enter that rest that I entered to on the seventh day. How many of you get a hold of that? So why are we uneasy? Why are we not at peace? Because we can't enter into the rest of God, R-E-S-T. We can't enter into the rest of God because still too many of us need to be unwrapped. I didn't get much out of that. Unwrapped. Because see, if you don't believe God can heal you, you need to be unwrapped. You know, it, it, only the world believes in, in demons. The church quit believing that there was demons a long time ago. But demons have a hold of people like never before. And if you don't believe that God can deliver from demonic spirits, you need to be unwrapped. If you don't believe in the resurrection that God, and I'm not talking about the last resurrection when he raises the dead. But I'm talking about the resurrection which is inside of you. When God saved you, the old man died and a new man came into being. If you can't believe that, you might not be unwrapped. Because, see, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, thank God for the cross, he gave us all the benefits of the cross. Now, we need to use the name of Jesus for everything. And why do we need to use the name of Jesus for everything? Because in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, listen to what he said. He said, you're a chosen people. He said, you're a royal priesthood. He went on to say, he said, you're a holy nation. He went on to say, you're a people of God. He went on to say, he said, yeah, at one time you wasn't a people, but you are now. He said, you are the prized possession of God Almighty. And when you're unwrapped, because when he called us forth and you're unwrapped, listen to this. He says, signs and wonders are going to accompany you everywhere you go. How many of you today are going to go out for lunch? Come on, people. You're all going home and cook. I don't believe that. Don't look back there at them. Hey, pay attention to me. Okay, how many of you are going to go out to eat? You're not, really? 
okay. I figured you'd be the first one. Oh, I'm just teasing. Okay, let's try it again. How many of you are going to go out to eat? Raise your hand and wave it. All right, here, here's the point. Do you understand that the keys to the kingdom of heaven have been given to you? And you're going to go into a restaurant. Say amen. Amen. And you are going to witness to that restaurant without saying a word. And you're saying, well, how do we do that? How am I going to go in there and I'm going to be a witness and not say a word? Because the kingdom of God is within you. Colossians 1.27, write it down. And here's what he said. He said, I'm going to show you a mystery. And the mystery that I'm going to show you has been hidden from past generations and ages. And here's what the mystery is. Christ in you, the Gentile, the hope of glory. Christ is in you. The kingdom of God is within you. And every time you go somewhere, they, whoever you encounter face the kingdom of God when I am sitting at that dinner table in whatever restaurant they tell me I'm going to I don't get a picket whatever restaurant they tell me I'm going to and that and the young lady walks up there the young man they got to face the kingdom of God I don't have to say anything why because the kingdom of God is within me how many of you are getting this But some of us, when we verbalize how we feel, it doesn't seem like the kingdom of God is within us, especially if your food is cold. Especially if something's out of whack, you're going to jump all over that waitress because of what the cook did. You have a problem at restaurants. (laughs) He said, I'm meddling now. Yeah, but, but understand this. But what happens when you go in there and your food's not quite right and you take it graciously, then people see the kingdom of God. Are you sure you don't need to be unwrapped when it comes to the kingdom of God? Everywhere you go. Listen to me. When I talk to people, I talk about the kingdom. You and I, when we talk, we talk about the kingdom. You and I, when we talk, when we talk, we talk about the kingdom. Why do I talk about the kingdom? It's all I know. I don't know anything else anymore. I don't know what else to talk. My kids come by to see me yesterday, and I really loved it, and they brought me gifts. I really like that. And and they was nice to me, but nobody was talking about the kingdom, so I just sat there and listened to everybody because there wasn't nothing for me to say. Understand that? The kingdom of God is within me. Okay, are you still with me? Because I'm going to get you out of here early. That means one minute early not i got one more minute to preach don't be mean to me either but listen i this is not me this this was doc shell and i know that you'll all agree with it trouble with the world is the world has no point of reference because he said this is the point of reference The word of God is the point of reference. And we have outlawed the word of God. Now pay attention because it's going to be hard to swallow. We have have outlawed the word of God in our government. And you'll give me an amen on that. And we have outlawed the word of God in our schools. When we 
say there's no prayer. And we've outlawed the Word of God in medicine, right? I mean, you know, when, when the, the, uh, the uh, doctors took the Hippocratic Oath, they were to sustain life, and now they take lives of babies and old people. They, they don't do that no more. So, so the Word of God. How about this one? How about when the church quit using the Word of God as the reference to go to? How about when the church of God quit preaching that signs and wonders follow those who believe so the supernatural can take place so that the kingdom of God grows because there's something that we don't understand that God give us when Jesus Christ died and he rose from the grave he went to the devil himself and he took the keys to the kingdom of heaven we say the kingdom of God, but it said, He give us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He walked up to the devil and he said, Look, he said, hand over the keys to the kingdom of heaven that the first Adam give you. Now the second Adam, who is me, Jesus speaking, listen to what he says. Give me the keys to the kingdom of heaven because as you give me the keys to the kingdom of heaven, I'm going to leave them keys to the kingdom of heaven with my church because, listen, I'm going to raise Lazarus from the dead but my church is the one who's going to have to unbind them somebody give me a witness on that and so when we take God out of this word when we take him out of this word we're just like everybody else we have no point of reference I was excited this morning when I heard the news how many of you heard the news that one of the high courts passed a law that said trans, transgender men cannot play in sports that are for women. Did anybody hear that? That's an interesting thing because listen to what the court said. The court said, I don't care what you do with them, they're still men. Now, the AC, uh, whatever that is, the civil, civil uh, people right there, yeah, that's good. They're, they're all over it, and they're suing everybody that they can sue. But the court said, look, if you're born a man, you're a man. If you're born a woman, you're born a woman. Somebody say amen to that. And so they had to go back to a reference. My feeling is they went back to this reference. And if we start going back to this reference, guess what's going to happen? We're going to start unwrapping the things that need to be unwrapped, and the supernatural power of God will once again come into the church and when the supernatural power comes into the kingdom of God you will be able to say to cancer you cannot have them you'll be able to say to diabetes you cannot have them you will be able to say to divorce you can't do that in my family you'll be able to say to your church I believe that everything written in the word of God pertains to us somebody say amen to that because God is unwrapping today. Do you want to be part of that? Let me get a couple more notes here. Because I love this. In Hebrews chapter 4, 14 through 16. We're not going to go there for the sake of time. Just write it down. It talks about God being our high priest. About the son, Jesus, being our high priest. Man, when Jesus forgive me of my sin... And brought me into the kingdom. He didn't bring me in just to sit down. He brought me in to speak. Now I've told you this before. And I'm going to tell you again. 
I know I'm not the best speaker in the world, but I try to be the best I know how to be. Is that fair enough to say that? Okay. And, and what I am now, 40, 50 years ago, I was terrible. And I've used this as a reference many times. It's kind of humorous. But when my wife used to get mad at me, she never really said anything. She just put one of my early messages in. And it was so awful, I'd say, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. It was ter terrible, terrible. I remember preaching on the second coming of the Lord. I don't know how anybody got saved in that meeting. Okay. But here's what happened. I'm sitting in my, I, I, I'm sitting at the VA. I'm at my desk. I'm a social worker for the VA. And I love that job. I loved it because I was born a poor boy. And, and my, my uh, aspects for myself was not to be poor. I wanted things. I'm going to be honest. I got us in debt that was terrible. Isn't that right? And, and her dad told me not to do it, but I didn't listen to him. Okay, got us into debt that was terrible. And a whole lot of things because I was raised up poor. Okay? And people said, well, we was poor and we didn't know it. We was poor and we knew it. Okay? And, and my mom was a horrible cook. And I didn't know that food was supposed to taste good until I went to her house and her mom fixed me dinner. I said, well, what is this? And they said, food. Well, I thought food wasn't supposed to taste good. My mom burned everything. My mom didn't think bread was done until the top of it was burned. I know. Let, yeah, Karen's going, oh, yeah, you should have been in my house. But, but I'm sitting there and, and I'm, I'm doing what I wanted to do. I'm, I'm helping people. I, I'm sitting in my office when God called me out of there. And I didn't want to hear that call. But God called me out to, to minister. I didn't want to hear that call. I wanted, to I wanted to retire with 40 years and with the VA and have it made for the rest of my life. I probably wouldn't even be alive if I kept that job. But, but God didn't see it that way. So I go into ministry. And this old, uh, this old uh, pastor... Yeah, he was hillbilly all the way. I don't think he could read. And he invited me to do a revival. I think I'm 21, 22 years old. And he asked me to do a revival in Springfield, Missouri. And I did that. I had absolutely no idea what to do but just the love of God in me. You know. And God did all kinds of things. He just did all kinds of things in me. And, and I loved it, man. And then, you know, you grow in the word and you grow and... And people are asking me then in for revival, and, and, and I'm an evangelist. I remember one time I wasn't making enough money to feed my kids as an evangelist. And I got down and prayed, and I said, Lord, you called me to this. I didn't call myself. You called me to this. And instantly, man, everything picked up. Because you've got to take some things to the Lord. You've got to unwrap some things. Can you say amen? amen? And so, you know, but God would move. And I saw all kinds of things happen. In about the last 10 years, I don't see things happen like they used to happen. And I take it to the Lord and I say, why? Because I take it personal when somebody in my church dies of cancer. I take it personal when somebody in this church dies of diabetes. I take all these things personal. I really do. I take them personal. Somebody says, don't take them personal. You know, God's in control. I do take it personal because he's given me a reference called the Word of God. And I can get in there and I should be able to find an answer. Amen. Yeah, amen. And so I'm, I, and here's what the Lord spoke to me. Do you allow the supernatural to be in your church? 
And I would tell you, yes. And you would all say, yes. But do we? But do we? But do we? See, today, I have the kingdom of God in me, and you do too. And we're going to go different places today. I'm going to go to the hospital today. I'm going to pray for the sick. And I'm not going to pray for the sick that they die. I'm going to pray for the sick that they be raised up. We pray for many of you that are sick every single night, don't we? We pray. And you're still here because we're praying for you. Oh, I didn't get much on that. But it's okay with me. But, but see, what I need to do is go back to my first love. And who is that? Jesus Christ, who is our high priest. And the high priest says, Pastor, wherever you go, signs and wonders accompany you. Now, I'm going to call the dead forth, but you're going to unwrap them. And what I want you to do is I want you to take the word of God as a reference. And when the scoffer and the mocker comes up and says, God, don't operate that way no more. Then I'm going to use the word of God to show him that he does. Can you say man? Let's stand. Today. Today. Harold, bring your praise and worship up here. Today. You're going to be put in a place. All of you here. Where the Holy Spirit's going to remind you that you have the kingdom of God within you. And you're going to go somewhere. And you're going to. Speak truth. And the devil's going to say, oh, don't do that. But then the Holy Spirit's going to say this. Now listen to what he's going to say. That's your bean patch, and that's what I give you. Elias, I'm sorry, uh, Shama, one of the mighty warriors of, of David, had been given a bean patch. Just a little old bean patch. But the Philistines wanted it. Because the devil wants everything. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, the Bible says, Jesus said, the thief only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I come to give life, but I come to give you life abundantly and more abundantly. Right? And so Shammah, listen to this. He's been given a bean field. But the Philistines want it. See, the devil wants every single thing that you have. He wants to destroy you. But Oshama, he said, you can't have it. It's mine. And he pulls the sword out. And there's 800 Philistines. And when the battle comes to the conclusion, he has killed 800 Philistines. And they said that, that the sword claved to his hand. And they literally had to take his fingers and unwrap the sword. Because he wasn't done fighting. It's your bean patch. It's not the devil's. And you assume your bean patch. And you stand in the middle of that bean patch. And you fight with the word of the Lord. The sword of the spirit. The, the word of God. Somebody say amen to that. And you proclaim the kingdom. And if you're not winning that battle. Ask the Holy Spirit, say, unbind me. I have grave clothes all around me. My prayer today is every preacher in this city, 
every minister that I know would say, Father God, lead us into the supernatural. Let us take care of our people in the supernatural.